Lord, may these words of my mouth and these meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, Redeemer and my rock. This is what I pray. And with the words of Isaiah, I want to ask you that your word will not go back to you without doing its work here in our hearts. Amen. Well, good morning. Maybe I should say good afternoon, because I'm on, uh, what, 4 p.m. time at the moment, so wide awake. I hope you are too. This is the story of one of the first ASI members. I couldn't ask him personally, but uh, let me just uh, think a bit about his situation. His business is booming. The shekels are coming in day by day. What do I say? Hour by hour. He has a real fortune. And uh, he might not be Bill Gates of his times, but he's quite wealthy. And he lives in a city that has history. I mean, archaeologists tell us that this city belongs to one of the oldest cities in the world. It has the best place to be. I mean, it's right there on a, on a kind of slow valley, low valley, <laughs> and uh, it's below sea level. It's wonderful climate. It's even better than Phoenix. It has palm trees. There's tropical garden there. There are kind of oases. It's just beautiful. If you could take this place as a winter residence in anywhere in this country, you would choose that place, like the priests and the Levites did who were working in Jerusalem. They always came down to this place. And of course, one of these teachers at that time, he, he had an instant classic story about one of the priests and the Levites coming down to our city. This city, this lush beauty, was a major international business center. And uh, everything went through there. If you want to put goods through from the west to the east, you had to go through that city. And of course, that made it the place for his profession. Because from every good coming through, he earned his money. And there was a lot. Not only King Herod had his winter residence there with a, with a real big palace complex area. I mean, that palace complex, after building three palaces at that time, was larger, I think 1,000 square feet larger than North Hall, 100, 200, and 300 level together. I mean, that's a big palace. They had a swimming pool of almost Olympic size there. Sunken garden, Roman bath, water pipes, aqueduct, swimming pool, amphitheater, and so on and so on. It was his place to be. Herod kind of made the time of this city the golden age. And golden it was for our businessmen. His guilt, influential, he knew how to handle money, but in the eyes of the people, they despised him. 
Some even hated him passionately. But on this afternoon, he doesn't care a straw about that. This afternoon, he has only one thing on mind. It's the wandering preacher. He thinks, I want to see him. Zacchaeus is seeking to see Jesus. In a few moments, this legendary city will be once more the arena of a divine conquest. Remember back then when the first Jesus entered the city, there was this one jewel which they find in a place you, you would never think about, in the house of Rahab, the harlot. And now, on this afternoon, the second Joshua is going into that city just to find this one precious jewel in a place it would not come across your mind. It's the place of the chief of tax collectors. And as Rahab and her house have been saved that morning then, Zacchaeus and his house will be saved by the Savior. Dr. Luke penned this well-known story with the finesse of an excellent storyteller. So, well, if you have your Bibles in your mind along or in your hands, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. We'll have a close look at that story, and if you please do me a favor, you do not know how this story ends, okay? Is that good for you? You read it for your first time. I call it reading with fresh eyes. So read it along with fresh eyes, wondering how will it end. It starts with, in the most translation, it says, Behold, in verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Now, the situation is clear. Behold, that seems to be getting our attention. We look at that more closely, and the first thing said is Zacchaeus, a name. Now, this is strange for Dr. Luke. When Jesus is telling stories, when Jesus is experiencing situations, Luke is very sparingly using names of the people. But this time he's telling that this man is called Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has a meaning. If you look through the stories in Luke, you have four stories which only Luke records in which a name comes. Simon the Pharisee. The name Simon means he hears. And Jesus says to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. So Simon hears. Or another story Jesus experiences is Maria and Martha. And you know Martha working in the house. Martha means female Lord, and she comes and tells Jesus, Jesus, do you not care about what Mary is doing? She wants to kind of say what Mary needs to do. She is Lord. And Jesus tells her, of course, Martha, and looks her in her eyes. The other story is a story Jesus himself told. Just a few chapters before, in Luke 16, the story about a rich man, nameless, 
and a poor man named Lazarus. And Lazarus means God helps. And sure, God helped that poor man in that uh, parable of Jesus. And now here is Zacchaeus. What does Zacchaeus mean? It's surprising to find out that the name Zacchaeus means pure one, righteous one. But in, in the same sentence, it says he is the chief of tax collectors. How can that be? A pure one and a tax collector. Remember what you know about tax collectors? What, what kind of people are they at that time? Uh, you can call out, I try to hear, thieves? Thieves. What else? Traitor. Cheater. Yeah, they cheat on the money. They are traitors because they are doing business with the Romans. Yes. Thank you for sharing with me the viewpoint of Matthew. But we're here in Luke. In Matthew. Yeah, there are all these things you just named. But in Luke, tax collectors are different. Tax collectors any time when they appear in Luke, every time, they're mentioned very positively. Tax collectors came to be baptized. I omit the places because of time where you find that in Luke. A tax collector named Levi is called. Jesus are with a great number of tax collectors. Tax collectors acknowledged God's justice. Jesus is called to be a friend of tax collectors. And of course, chapter 18, verses 10 to 14, right before our Jericho experience this morning, a tax collector is said of, Jesus says of a tax collector that he goes home justified, righteous, whereas the other one goes home not justified. Tax collectors are good. This is strange, Dr. Luke. But at the same time, he says, and he was wealthy. Now, the wealthy, the rich, the business people in the Gospel of Luke, they are the exact opposite of the tax collectors. Rich people, they do not belong to the kingdom of God. Think about, and that's all in Luke, the parable of the rich fool, or the rich man and the poor Lazarus. Or Jesus' warning, you cannot serve God and mammon. Or the encounter with the rich ruler. Just in the, same, in the chapter before, chapter 18 again, the rich ruler comes, asks, what shall I do to be saved? Well, and after the initial exchange, Jesus tells him. What is he doing? He hears the words of Jesus and leaves very sadly. And Jesus then says how difficult it is for a rich person to come into the kingdom of God. You know how difficult it is, right? Like a camel going through the needle's ear. What is the needle's ear, by the way? The eye of the, the, the eye. Excuse me, thank you. The eye of the needle, what's that? <laughs> you see, that was my German. We, we say it, the ear of the needle, because there's a hole. But the eye, I mean, how do you do that in English? I mean, put something in the, there, or what? Okay. 
So what is the eye of the needle? It's a gate. Yes, it's a, it's a gate. What, what kind of gate? Small gate, right? Where you go through, through the eye of the needle. Next to the main gate, when the main gate is closed, they open the small gate, right? Well, if you believe that, that's a legend of the Middle Ages. There were no small gates in ancient cities. I mean, at least archaeologists say that there were no small gates. Small gates. What's the use of a small gate? I mean, you can open the main gate anytime if you like. You do not need a small gate. The eye of the needle ah, is exactly what it means. It's the smallest hole known in the ancient world. Put a thread through and now start trying <clears throat> to get a camel through. How is that possible? Well, the disciples said, it's impossible. It's impossible, Lord. Who can be saved? And indeed, salvation is impossible. I think Jesus is telling us that salvation is definitely impossible if it were not for God. Because at the end, there in chapter 18, 25, he says, it is, oh, not 25, 26, I guess it is. He says, 27, what is impossible with human beings is possible with God. Our impossibility is where God sets in and says, nothing is impossible for me. I can save you. So here we are in our story. Zacchaeus, a person who is a tax collector, very good tradition in the Gospel of Luke. And a person who is a rich ruler, well, the rich do not enter the kingdom of God. So Zacchaeus, tell us, which story will you follow? The story of the tax collector or the story of the rich ruler? I mean, you see, that's the fabric of a divine encounter of salvation is laid out by Luke here. Jesus meets Zacchaeus. What's going on? Now, Zacchaeus, it says what he does. After it mentions who he is, he says he wanted to see who Jesus was. Other translations say he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Now, he's not the first one who wants to see Jesus, but, but that rings a, a bell of hope. He wants to see Jesus. The first one in the Gospel of Luke who wants to seek Jesus, and it's used in the exact same words, is another king. It's King Herod Agrippa. He wants to see Jesus. In chapter 9, verse 9, it says, John I have beheaded, says Herod, but who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. Now, Jesus does not meet with Herod in his lifetime, except, I think, on his last night, right? 
There in chapter 23, verse 8, he comes to Herod. He's brought late at night. And uh, Luke tells us, now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. It's interesting. You can seek to see Jesus, and you can seek to see Jesus. Why was he glad, King Herod? For he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him. I mean, the same could be said of Zacchaeus, right? He longed to see Jesus. Once he heard about the message from John the Baptist just a few miles to the Jordan, once his heart was touched, he wanted to see Jesus, and now was the opportunity to see him. He longed to see him. He had heard many things about him. But for King Herod, Luke continues, he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Uh-huh. Herod's motivation is sensationalism. Seeing Jesus on stage, seeing him perform a miracle, the Wonderburger Jesus, my private late-night show with Jesus. Come on, Jesus, show something. Is, is that a good motivation to see Jesus? Of course not, we know. But then let me pause for a moment. When I really think hard about my prayer life, sometimes it sounds a lot, a lot like this. Lord Jesus, please help the music to stop. Lord Jesus, give me the right English words this morning. You know my tongue is very thick. And Lord, do a miracle. Why do we seek Jesus? Because he's the miracle worker in my life? Do you seek the miracle worker? Or do you seek the Savior? Who do you seek Zacchaeus? Why are you seeking to see Jesus? Now Luke explains he wants to see Jesus who Jesus was. He doesn't want to see Jesus to see what Jesus is doing, but who Jesus is. Zacchaeus is interested in the personality of Jesus. Who is he as a person? Let me have a look in his face, and I will see who Jesus is. That's what the heart of Zacchaeus longed for. It was not what Jesus is doing. And I think Zacchaeus becomes a first example for us in this way. Why do we long to see Jesus? We long to see him because of who he is, not so much about because of who, what he is doing. Who is Jesus? But he had no chance to see him. He was small, very small. 
And so uh, the crowd around Jesus hindered him to see Jesus. Of course, there's a lesson in that too. I just hope I do not hinder anybody to see Jesus because I follow Jesus. But let's go ahead. He climbs a sycamore fig tree to see him. Somehow Zacchaeus, as a businessman, is resourceful. I don't know if he does that in his suit. might be an interesting view to see Zacchaeus climbing that tree in order to see who Jesus was. Apropos tree, sycamore tree, it's the only place that word occurs in the Greek, Old and New Testament. But there's another place in Luke where another tree with almost a similar word occurs. And uh, to, to challenge your Bible knowledge a little bit, when Jesus says to his disciples after he healed that uh, moonwalking boy who had a demon, and the disciples ask him, Jesus, how did you do that? He says, well, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to this, what did he say? Mountain. Why do you like Matthew more than Luke? Can you tell me? Luke is interesting. What does the Gospel of Luke say? If you have mustard, if you have faith like a mustard seed, and you could say to this, Sikonoma. Well, it's, it's translated mulberry tree. But it's actually kind of, it, it might be a sycamore tree. In fact, whenever that word is used in the Old Testament, in the Greek translation, it's always translated in the English with sycamore tree, but not in Luke 17, 6. They, they, they use the word mulberry tree. If they would use sycamore tree, which it is, you would immediately see the connection to Luke 19. If you have faith, you can move a sycamore tree. Jesus comes to that sycamore tree, and he's not going around the mulberry tree, the mulberry bush, but he stops there, and he looks up. Now let's leave Zacchaeus for a moment and see what Jesus is doing. Jesus calls Zacchaeus. That's the call. Today is our motto, called. So how does Jesus call Zacchaeus? First of all, it's Jesus who looks up. The word seeing is a key word in this passage. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but in fact, it's Jesus who first sees Zacchaeus when he looks up. Seeing was a key word in the passage before. Just 500 meters along down the road in front of the city wall of Jericho, there was this blind beggar. And he begged and he cried. And when he heard that the wandering preacher is coming around, he said, Son of David, help me! But the people around Jesus, they stopped him. They said, Psst. They rebuked him. They said, There's no time for you, beggar. But Jesus heard him. It's almost like when he enters Jericho, Jesus hears that Zacchaeus wants to see him. So he goes there. And what does Jesus do with the beggar? clear. He asked him, well, 
What do you like me to do to you? I want to see. Be seeing, Jesus said. And the beggar sees Jesus. It seems that the same happens to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but Jesus sees him. And he said to him, verse 5, Zacchaeus. Now, this should uh, really shake him a little bit. Jesus knows my name. How, how does Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? Was somebody there whispering into his ear, hey, by the way, this is the tax collector. Can you imagine the chief of tax collector? Zacchaeus is his name. Well, maybe. But I want to believe that Jesus knows who that man is. So he says, Zacchaeus. Imagine tonight, after all the meetings, you probably do not watch one of these uh, three letters news programs on TV. But if you would do, the anchor man or the anchor woman would look straight through the camera, really into your eyes, calling your name. Martin, I have to tell you something. And then saying things you oh, only you know. What would that do to you? And here comes this wandering preacher saying, Zacchaeus, I have to tell you something. Today, I have to come into your house. Jesus knows my name. Jesus, that's a good call. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Well, there are several things important here. Luke kind of writes his gospel with everything before in his mind. When he says, I must, we need to know all the must passages in the gospel of Luke. This little word, day in Greek, is used whenever Jesus needs to do something because it is according to God's plan. Uh, look at this. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Later on, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent out. Jesus is on a divine mission. He must Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished, or the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. The meeting with Zacchaeus appears to be the single reason why Jesus is passing through Jericho. He passed through Jericho, and the only thing happening in Jericho is Jesus must see Zacchaeus. Jesus goes there with a purpose. Zacchaeus is on his diary, on his timetable. Today is the day I meet Zacchaeus. And it is today. It's not only a necessity that Jesus calls Zacchaeus. 
it's urgent. Today, I have to call you. God is at work now. The decision is never tomorrow. It's never on Friday, on Sabbath, on Sunday. It's today, Thursday. Or do you read anywhere that you are called to decide tomorrow? That you follow Jesus? That you let him enter your house? And by the way, Zacchaeus, haste and come down. Speed. Spoido in Greek. Speed. Speed means it's urgent. Come down quickly. Now, Zacchaeus' heart was very receptive for that message, for that call. He came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. And as the story goes, we know that Zacchaeus is following the tax collector's heart and not the rich heart who went away sad. Zacchaeus was glad to open his house for Jesus. Even if all the people in verse 7 mutter, don't worry, let them mutter. The word mutter appears only once more in Luke, and it's in Luke 15, verse 2. And because of the people muttering that Jesus is with the tax collectors, Jesus is telling them three stories about things and people lost and found and the overjoying gladness this brings. Gladness not only for the one who finds, but as we see here with Zacchaeus, gladness for the one who is found. So Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus to his home, to his entire house, and he says to him, verse 8, look, behold, Lord, Kyrie. He addresses him as Lord. It's the same word the blind beggar used to address Jesus in chapter 18, verse 41, Lord, Kyrie. Jesus is Lord. There's no question about this. And he became right now the Lord of Zacchaeus. Here and now I give half of my possession to the poor, and I have cheated anybody out of anything. If I have done that, I will pay back four times the amount. I'm allowed to go eight minutes over time, by the way. Pat said that, so I do it. <laughs> There's still food ready for you, don't worry. Because these eight minutes are worth all the time. Because what it says here in the Bible is very important. Zacchaeus says, here and now I give. I do not like that translation. Actually, it's a word like, I give. It's a, it's a present tense participle. Let, let me explain. That means in Greek, he is doing that right now. He might have done it before. Two weeks ago, when I reread this story in The Desire of Ages, I was very surprised. <laughs> surprised as if I have not read it before. But sometimes it happens like this. Same with the Bible, right? Uh, on page 553, 
she says, Zacchaeus began at once to follow the conviction that had taken hold upon him and to make restitution to those whom he had wronged. When was that? Yes, that was when John the Baptist preached and he heard the message of John. Zacchaeus started to do these things, to give from his wealth to other people. I, I don't know how other people looked at that said, oh, what is this? This is a hypocrite. This is Zacchaeus, the chief of tax collectors. <laughs> he cannot mean that seriously. There's something, there's a trick, a trap, or I don't know. But he's doing it. I ask myself, how could Ellen White know that? Does she know Greek? I don't think so. But she mentions it as it is said here. He is doing it. He kind of says to Jesus, Jesus, see, that is what I'm doing. And maybe there's a question mark behind that. Is that okay for you? And interestingly, Jesus is not telling him, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Jesus is satisfied with half of the money. Did Jesus change his mind from the rich ruler to Zacchaeus that he said, oh, that was a little high, 100%. That does not work. No rich man will be saved by that. Well, let's lower it to 50%. Did Jesus think about this? No. He asked the rich ruler to follow him, to be his disciple along the way. For Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, he needs to be he needs to be a disciple in the marketplace. Right there in the midst of his business. Zacchaeus, stay there. Use your business. Spread the gospel through spreading the money, for example, and spread the word. That's fine, Zacchaeus. I like what you're doing. And Zacchaeus is giving a lot, 400%. He is giving like a thief. If you would have stolen an oxen or, no, a sheep, a sheep in ancient times, that's what it says in Leviticus, you had to pay four times back. If it was an oxen, you had to pay five times. But usually for restitution, 120% is good for anything else. But... Zacchaeus gives 400%. He becomes an honored ASI member at that time. He's an archetype of an ASI member. He's the founding... Fo okay, so let's stop right there. <laughs> I'm glad that ASI exists, definitely. Zacchaeus is a parable, is a paradigm, is an example for us. So Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Today. Jesus asked him to, to take him as a guest today, and he says, Today salvation has come. You know, about names, uh, we had that already. Jesus' name also means something. Jesus' name means Jehovah saves, Yahweh saves. So when he says, today salvation has come to this house, he could have said, today Jesus has come to your house. 
the one who saves, Yahweh is salvation, has come to your house, to this house, and you are saved. Because the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. What a beautiful message Jesus gives to the one who hears his call. Zacchaeus acting generously, not doing anything halfway, putting Jesus first and last and best in everything. Zacchaeus is honored by Jesus. Salvation has come to you. Well, if the story would end here, we would miss the best part. Well, it ends here. Where does it continue? Well, it continues in chapter 19, same chapter, verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. From now we have six days until Jesus dies. Before that six days, he visited Zacchaeus in his home. Maybe he stayed there over Sabbath, his last Sabbath before the cross. Maybe Jesus let everything soak in, what the gospel can do to a person, what kind of fruits a fig tree might bring, not like the fig tree he sees on Monday, And then he's on his way, the last week, the week of passion, as we call it. And uh, whenever Jesus in Jerusalem had a hard time, he tried to back off a little bit, going to Bethany. That's about two miles away from Jerusalem, on the way to Jericho, which is 14 miles away. And I just imagine what he hears on the evening table with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus about what happens in Jericho. And, and he definitely heard, because that way was traveled much at that time. So when Jesus prepares for the cross, he hears about Christmas in Jericho. People knocking at the door, telling, I have a present here for you. Where does that come from? It's from Zacchaeus. He, he took a little bit too much from you. Or, hey, knock, knock, present for you. Why, why? You're a poor person. Zacchaeus wants to give that for you because he saw who Jesus is. It's because of the wandering preacher was at his home. Christmas in Jericho while Easter breaks in Jerusalem. What does that do to Jesus when a person follows his call? I imagine that Jesus took a lot of strength from that, that on these final days, he more than once thought back to Zacchaeus and he thinks to himself, I want to go to the cross so that Zacchaeus' turn was not in vain. 
that he will be saved. I mean, Jesus promised him salvation has come to this house. What is that promise worth if Jesus would not die on the cross? He had to go for Zacchaeus on the cross. And in Gethsemane, when he, he makes his final decision with God to go, maybe he thought back to Zacchaeus and the wandering things there, the wanderers in Jericho, and he thinks, it is worth. The fruit is multiplying. I have to do it. What kind of encouragement, strength, he would get from Zacchaeus' story. Ellen White says in Signs of the Times, June 11, 1896, the case of Zacchaeus was a most grateful token to Christ as he journeyed on his way. Zacchaeus was a lost sheep but found and Jesus smiled. He was happy. He was glad. He was determined to die for Zacchaeus on the cross. So you see, whenever you follow the call of Jesus, that makes Jesus happy. I mean, happy in the real sense. He will be glad if you hear his call and follow it. So Zacchaeus is the answer of the disciples' question, then who can be saved? Well, for God, nothing is impossible, not even Zacchaeus. If you ask yourself if God, if God wants to communicate a thought to you this morning, then let me assure you that you are certainly on God's appointment book today. Why should Zacchaeus' conversion remain the next to last one in the Gospel of Luke? There's always room for one more conversion. So here stands Zacchaeus calling you, when God meets up with you, please do nothing halfway. Do nothing halfway. Go for Jesus all. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you took your day just before the final week to visit little Zacchaeus. But little Zacchaeus had a great heart because of you. You called him and he heard you. You fulfilled his single wish to see who you are. And because of that, Zacchaeus became the follower which did so much good to people in Jericho and to your whole cause. Thank you, Lord, that you also today will take your time to visit us, to call us, so that we may open our whole house to you today. Please come in, enter, make us happy, give us joy, and you yourself feel at home.
in my place. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.